This podcast is brought to you by Dr. James McIntyre and his team at Adjust Your Health in North Calgary. When I met Dr. James almost 20 years ago, I was taking 10 to 12 Advil every day just to get through my workday, not to mention the stuff I was doing at night like alcohol and other substances. I suffered from chronic pain due to car accidents, sports injury, and repetitive motion damage from being a drywaller. I had worked in the trades for nearly 20 years and had more than 10 car accidents, three very serious ones. I had some severe sports-related injuries. Most of my cryo SI would only give me temporary relief from day-to-day pain. It was getting expensive and depressing to see the other doctors knowing that I would be right back into the same boat the next morning. I was lucky that the last chiropractor I saw said that she cannot help me anymore and directed me to Dr. James McIntyre. After only a few visits, I felt tremendously better. Most of my pain had left, my mobility was coming back, and I didn't need as much Advil. If I remember right, it was only a few months and I was almost completely off the pills and life was getting better. I have known Dr. James and his crew for almost 18 years and referred almost everyone I know to him and they have become Adjust Your Health advocates. The team at Adjust Your Health offers a wide array of services including acupuncture, massage therapy, chiropractic, and physiotherapy. They believe in a multidisciplinary approach to patients' care and use a variety of techniques to help their patients achieve their goals of pain relief or injury resolution to improve sports performance. Calgary is privileged to have such a highly qualified team of practitioners available to accommodate your health and well-being needs. If you are in pain or an athlete or just want to be as healthy as possible, check them out at www.ayhcalgary.com. Our next sponsor is Paul Nye from Nye's Touch and Nye's Tats. There's some debate over who invented the first motorbike. Several men claim to have the first designer patent. Regardless who it was, my guess is that the very next year, some dude started customizing his newly invented contraption. Throughout history, men and women have been altering their transportation to move faster, turn sharper, or turn ahead or two. If you are customizing your ride to be low and slow, shiny and fast, loud and obnoxious, You have not completed the project until you have your custom paint job done. Paul Nye at Nye's Touch is your guy for custom paint on bikes, boats, cars, buses, or anything else you ride. You want a bike that looks like no one else? Nice Touch. You want to honor a fallen friend with the hood of your car? Nice Touch. You want a mural of your favorite girl on the side of a bus? You guessed it. Nice Touch. Paul has been airbrushing for more than 15 years and his work will take your breath away. Check out his work on Instagram at Dripping Chrome or on Facebook at Nice Touch or call him at 587-435-4602 for your free estimate. Don't forget, Paul will be in a tattoo studio near me soon. And now, on with the show. No podcast with Chad Ferguson. Hey everybody, this is Chad from the I Want to Know podcast. We're going live today, so uh, we're trying out something we've never done before. Uh, we have uh, Ramil Kamilov. Did I say it right? Yeah, that's ah, right. Ah, that's awesome. Uh, so we're live on YouTube, we're live on Instagram, and we're live on Ramil's Instagram. 
Ramil is an MMA fighter from here in Calgary. Uh, he's the 170-pound uh, amateur XFFC champ. Is that right? Yep, that's right. Awesome. Pull that mic just a little bit closer to your face, and we're good to go. Awesome. So you were working all day. You were training all day. Yeah, uh, it's my rest day, but I still worked for like eight hours or something. <laughs> I uh, just got off work. I probably held like three hours worth of pads today. Dang. Yeah. So you're ready. You want to get out there and fight if you're doing this all day long. Yeah, yeah. I dedicate my life to this, so it's like two, three training sessions a day type of deal. Wow. And you're training mostly out of uh, Champions Creed? Yeah, all out of Champions Creed, and then I got a strength and conditioning coach. Cool. And then whenever I can't, like, make a session of champs for whatever reason, I just do my own thing. I might find a training partner in the city somewhere. Awesome, awesome. Yeah. I, uh, so the whole reason we're doing this live is we're trying to help raise money for Ramil to get to Toronto for the... Uh, is it Toronto? No, no. Bahrain. Bahrain. Yeah. Uh, for the uh, uh, M- MMA World Championship. Yeah. That is awesome. Mm-hmm. You're going to fight at 170 there? Yeah, 170 pounds. Well, what, is that, uh, what does that tournament look like? So it's a huge tournament. It's like uh, as far as... Uh, MMA Olympics can go. It's pretty much the Olympics of MMA where uh, each country kind of qualifies their best uh, AMI athletes. Yeah. And then uh, from everywhere in the world, like African champions, European champions, Asian champions, everyone qualifies. And then the best out of each weight class kind of goes. And uh, whoever registers first, kind of because there's only 32 spots open. Okay. It filled up real quick for my division. Yeah. And then... Uh, <clears throat> so there's 32 170-pound fighters? Yeah. Damn. Yeah, 32 top, 170 32 top. pounds. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. That is awesome. Do you know any of the other guys that have gone in from other countries, or are you going in kind of blind? Like, I guess there's not a lot of tape on, on these guys. You know, uh, there's uh, they use my next match, so I can see exactly who's in my division, Okay. every single guy. And uh, I know some of the names from following this thing for a few years. Yeah. But uh, And I've watched some of their fights, but I don't look too, too much into it, because how am I going to, like, study 32 guys right. individually. That's a lot of time. Yeah. That's money to buy their fights. Yeah. And I got to sit there and some of them I don't, most of them I don't end up fighting, right? Right. So I'm just going to like kind of figure it out on the spot. That's awesome. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, again, we're raising uh, money for Ramil. We're looking, to, uh, I think you're at about twenty two or $2,500 of the 4000 you need to get to the fight. Is that right? I'm at uh, almost 3000 Beautiful. And then... Uh, even a little bit more, actually, because I have people outside the fundraiser donating. Awesome. And then uh, whatever I get on top of that is going to go towards training camp, like massages and so whatever. Physio. Yeah. Physio. I need a lot of physio because <laughs> I get injured <laughs> quite a bit. Yeah. And then uh, I'm also running a training camp. And like part of my training camp is going to be in Grand Prairie. I'm going there in a little over a week. Awesome. Because the Team Canada coach is there. Yeah. And my coach can't uh, come with me because of prior commitments. And uh, actually, we're not even sure at the moment if the Team Canada coach can come through. So oh. I might just be riding solo to this thing. Well, that you know what? If you're training that much and you're under Brian Bird, I mean, you've got a lot of experience. So you've got a lot to, to take with you to the, uh, to the tournament, right? Yeah, I've been doing this for a while now. Like even some of my early tournaments, I'd go through to those alone. Yeah. And it's almost kind of better because it's... Just me and a big chip on my shoulder type of deal. <laughs> I come through and I'm angry. I'm like, oh, I'm I'm here alone. These guys got their people, but I'm just. It gives me extra motivation, extra Very drive. Cool. You know? I bet, yeah. yeah. So if anyone wants to donate, I want you to go to uh, Facebook. There's Help Team Canada's Ramil 
Kamilov to MMA World Championship. That's what it's under under the uh, um, Facebook. Um, so if you search that up, uh, again, help Team Canada's Ramil Kamilov uh, to MMA World Champion. So go look it up. Go donate. It's not very much that we need to uh, raise to get them there. So uh, everyone pitch in 20 bucks, 40 bucks, 50 bucks. We'll get there quick. Yeah, and um, you can honestly just look up my name, Ramil Kamilov, and then the Facebook page comes up and you can take it from there or message me if you can't awesome, find it awesome. that easy. Uh, are you able to see if anyone's following right now, Eric? <laughs> I know it's a little brave for our first one to be looking into that to see if anyone's following, but uh, we might as well look into it. Um, so what does what your, your day-to-day or your week look like? As, uh, are, do you work a regular job or are you like just teaching and training? Uh, I have uh, my own gym. It's yep. like a family business. Yeah. So, for example, my, like tomorrow morning I get up 8 a.m. And uh, it kind of depends on my weight a little bit. So I would do some road work before that. Then I wake up, coach for a few hours, and then I train again. Yeah. I might have a few hours downtime, and then uh, I either train or coach again. And like it just, I'm always training and coaching, and maybe have a few down hours. Yeah. Or I'll work a moving job as well. Okay. I also do like uh, I'm an assistant for glazing. Oh wow! And stuff like glass installation. Lifting glass, yeah. Yeah, yeah. So. Lots of physical jobs and then lots of odd jobs here and there. Cool, cool. Well, as a, as a new amateur fighter, that's what you got to do to make it, right? There's uh, uh, not a ton of sponsorship in Canada, unfortunately, to uh, to move fighters up quickly. But as you start winning fights, as you move on, you're gonna you're gonna get those sponsorships, and you get to train with some like great guys like Hakeem and Brian and uh, Nick Ring. I'm trying to think of some of the other people that are trading at Champions Creed right now. Uh, yeah, there's it's a little bit. Um on the download right now, but that's not a bad thing because that just means I get uh, a lot of attention from our head coach. Right. Like if you go to a big top gym, like a lot of times uh, the coach just won't get to you, won't get his attention to you. Whereas me, like every day I come in and coach is there, coach is working with me. Right. And uh, Hakeem's in training camp as well right now. Awesome. So we're pretty much, Hakeem, myself and Chad and Helliger, yep. we're all in training camp right now. So working with those guys is... Not always pleasant, but, <laughs> but it makes me better, you know. I uh, I told you I went and trained at Champions Creed one day, mostly to meet Brian and, and Hakeem and try to get them on the podcast, and they're busy guys, and so it hasn't panned out yet. I'm sure it will in the future. But I had the opportunity to roll with Hakeem, and uh, I'm not a really well-versed martial artist, but I've sort of done it on and off for my whole life, trained with uh, David Lee in Kelowna at DC Interior Martial Arts Academy when I lived there, Toshitos, and uh, um, he was a great guy to train under. I did a little bit with uh, Max um, Marin at Knuckles uh, when uh, I first moved to Calgary. Uh, Unfortunately, Max has passed now and and not around anymore, but Knuckles is still up and running. And so I've been off and on for uh, um, most of my adult life in MMA uh, training. And, and I love it. There's, it's just a matter of finding time. Yeah. <laughs> Obviously, you've dedicated your whole life to it, and I more like it for fun. But uh, yeah, I rolled with uh, Hakeem uh, in their jiu-jitsu class, and man, that guy is solid. I don't think people outside, like real fans that don't train, understand where you guys are at in MMA. Like we watch on TV and go, oh, you know, he's not as good as this, or he's not doing. The, the dedication and the, the, the strength and the, the fight knowledge you guys have is unbelievable. Yeah. Yeah, he's, uh, he's pretty good. I think uh, he has a real shot at becoming, at the very least, a top contender, too. If you don't know, he like went to the UFC PI lately, and he broke uh, two of the 
two or three of the featherweight records really? for like for explosiveness and strength and all that. We Beautiful. train me and him train under the same strength coach too. Yeah, yeah. Like yeah, always getting sessions. And you guys look so. savage. I've seen the pictures. Everyone go check out Instagram. <laughs> <laughs> and yeah. yeah, it looks like uh, you guys are are going for it wholeheartedly. How old are you? I'm 22. Oh, awesome! So you're. Your perfect age to be hitting uh, your amateur career, moving into your professional career. Yeah, yeah. I uh, and that's even considering that I had to take two years off because of injuries and stuff. Okay. But it, you know, not the worst thing because during those two years, I got a whole lot better. Yeah. Focused on whatever I could. Yeah. Just yeah. drilling. Uh, drillers are killers, right? Yeah, drilling, moving, doing whatever, working oh. balance work. You know. Yeah. What What injury did you get? I was, uh, it was, so... I'll get that mic just a bit closer oh, to yeah. your mouth. You can just pull it towards you. Yeah, so it was like a few weeks after my amateur debut. Yeah. I won my amateur debut, and right away I was like, I'm going to do the Canadian National <laughs> Championship. And then I went in, I got to the very, uh, the finals. Yeah. And the cage that we were fighting in, it was like, uh, it was the wood and just thin puzzle mats on top. Oh. And I got slammed onto my head back then and uh i was actually out cold yeah and then i woke up right away yeah but then uh i didn't know where i was i thought like there was some dude trying to rob me or something <laughs> so i woke up and like i see this half naked dude on top of me and i start pounding him out and then i get up and i realize it's an mma fight oh, wow. and uh so at the time i had good wrestling but yeah. i wasn't good at the cage wrestling <laughs> so i was out striking this dude but then he'd keep taking me down. This guy was a beast, like purple belt, everything. And I was just like 19-year-old kid, you know, just made my <laughs> debut three weeks ago. <laughs> I almost knocked him out the very first second yeah. as it started. But he kept taking me down and he kept just like giving me a bunch of unanswered shots. And I'd be moving just enough to like keep the fight going. Eventually, he tapped me out, but I was uh, out with a concussion. Yeah, uh, I still qualified for Team Canada being top two in the national championship. Uh, came back to sparring too early, got reconcussed, yeah. and then I was out for two years. But like, still training. I opened my business at the time. I was coaching. That made me better. Yeah, everything. So yeah, that was the injury back then. But Just then I got back into it, and uh, I've been making moves since. You uh, you feel like you're over the concussion? You're like in a good spot now. Oh, I've had like four or five fights since that concussion. Oh, beautiful. <laughs> so, yeah, I'm way over that concussion. I um, I was talking to a guy uh, locally here who, where he wants everyone to do some pre-testing, especially in amateur um, sports as a whole, soccer, football, hockey, MMA, boxing, all of it. So they have a baseline so they can test to make sure that you're back in a healthy spot before you fight. Um, I can't remember. It's Cody Thompson out of uh, White Collar Boxing. I don't remember the name of his uh, organization that does the testing. I don't think you'll find it. Um, but yeah, I, I love that idea. I, I did lots of sparring when I was at, uh, David Lee's in Kelowna and, and I taught a little bit here and did some sparring. It didn't really affect me, but I also don't get hit like MMA guys get hit. Mm -hmm. Like you guys, you guys, the people that you were fighting are literally trying to, to kill you or knock your head off. Right. That, yeah. That's the goal. I mean, you don't really want to hurt the person, but you really want to win. <laughs> yeah. You want to get it and get the hell out of there as soon as possible. Yeah, <laughs> Just yeah. put them out. Yeah. No, that's a, that's a really great idea because, uh, if you don't have the baseline testing and then you get concussed, you don't know what, uh, your brain was, you don't have any scans or anything right. of what your brain was like before that. Right. Yeah. So, there's no way to know when you're 100%. Because concussions, like, there's uh, 
they can't they don't even diagnose it in a hospital like they i remember i went and uh like this doctor's like beating around the bush he's saying like you got this and this and this and i'm like so do i have a concussion he's like well you know you were out for a bit and then you repeat you had like some repeated blows after that so you most likely have a concussion yeah. and i was like it's most likely. probably <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah you know I was, like, give me a straight answer man yeah and i don't think they know how because if there's no baseline testing there's no way for them to look and go oh this is worse the one that uh, cody thompson's doing it has um like a verbal test and a, and a written test or one that you do on the computer where they look at how long it takes you to answer questions and how you remember stuff and so they come up with a score based on that and then i think there's scans on top of that so it seems like it's a really cool way to uh, to test people mm-hmm. so you've got uh, no fights planned until um uh the worlds yeah five weeks out so xffc wanted me to fight october 25th yeah. which is uh three weeks before that but yeah. then their card didn't happen and uh i said to them i'm down as long as you give me like someone bad because i don't want to get hurt <laughs> before that but then the card just never happened so okay it's all good yeah the, the uh there's been a few mma um organizations shutting down i know ari tobe from um hard knock shut down his a while ago and it's hard to make a card here in canada eh? there's still not a lot of fighters well yeah there's not a whole lot of people that are willing um to fight especially like at the higher levels people are down with sometimes like one or two fights, yeah. but then past that, people realize what it really, really is, right? And then they don't want to do it anymore. Yeah, uh, fighting fight cards in Canada and Western Canada, at least that's as far as I know, are pretty typical. Yeah, but uh, Calgary is a tough one because it's like one of the most expensive places in the world as far as city commission goes. Right for what they take, they take uh, seventeen thousand dollars for the event. That is before the rent that you pay. That is before your insurance. Wow. That is just the city asking to run it yeah and they don't care if uh like no one runs it because yeah. we haven't had a card in a few years yeah like, that's why these places like they try to get into calgary like they see no one's running a card like let's make some money out here yeah and then they see the seventeen thousand dollar bill and it's like no one does it that explains a lot i didn't know that that was true because um uh there's been a few organizations trying to go in airdrie but we don't have um uh, what's it called? Uh, commission. Commission. Uh, um, combative Sport Commission. And so I actually talked uh, to the mayor. I sent him a message of Airdrie about whether they wanted to do that or not. And I would volunteer my time to lead the commission. And so you just basically steal all the information from everyone else's commission, right? That uh, um, or we had a camera go down. Damn it! You got to figure it out, Eric. Okay, um, so yeah, we um, uh, I would just borrow the information from like Grand Prairie or someplace else that are that are doing a good job of uh, of running a commission, and then I would volunteer my time and run one here in Airdrie until it was feasible to pay me for the job, and they still didn't want to do it. Yeah, if uh, if the commission from another city wants to give it to, because they don't like the competition. Right? <laughs> <laughs> True enough. Yeah, that's like running a business. You want to make a waiver, but these people paid like all these lawyer fees to make a waiver. They don't want to give it. True enough. Free. Yeah, there. I think there's enough people in Canada that have. I had some. I'm trying to remember her name. It's a lady that runs the commission. I think out of Grand Prairie, and we had a mutual friend. And so I had started a conversation with them, and they would be willing to help us out. Um, but yeah, anyways, it uh, 
never happened because of the mayor. Uh, and we don't really have great venues here either. That's the other spot, right? We have the town and country. Uh, we have, well, there's not even great seating at Genesis Place. So, you know, maybe at the Ice Arena, I guess. What about, like, you guys have the Muay Thai, though, going on out here, don't you? Amateur only, I think. Mm-hmm. Or, um, uh, what's it called? Uh, smokers. Mm-hmm. They're, they're allowed to do smokers out here. Oh, really? No amateur Muay Thai? I don't think so from the last I heard. Because Bella Guards is the only one out here even giving it a go. Uh, so Vanessa and Lewis uh, from Bella Guard Dragons. Um, They've had uh, amateur Muay Thai fights in their gym, I thought. Maybe, yeah. Maybe. They've, well, like they've definitely had it in Crossfield because I fought amateur Muay Thai in Crossfield. Okay, but I mean that's harder because you got to get people to drive out and cover the cost and everything. Right, right. Yeah. So is that where you started? Was in uh, uh, kickboxing? Just one fight, one fight, and it made me angry, and then I switched <laughs> to MMA <laughs> because I like uh, it was a fight against uh, a good guy. He's uh, winning championships right now. Yeah, but I lost a split decision to him in his hometown, and uh, I outboxed him badly. I like I wrecked. I don't want to talk smack, but <laughs> I had a lot of good punches on him. I outdamaged yeah. him, and uh, I get that uh, he kind of won. The sporting event that night, but I th- I'd like to think that I won the fight you won that the night. Fight, yeah, yeah, yeah. I uh, had him like I pretty much had him down. Yeah. He was wobbling, and then he spat his mouth guard out, uh, and then they like picked it up, walked it over slow, and I washed <laughs> it, and then he's back. And I I like blew my entire gas because I seen him hurt, yeah. and I went for it, and this <laughs> BS happened, and I lost the split decision. Yeah, and uh, because he. What counted more was that he threw some knees and some leg kicks right. and all these things, which uh, didn't really like hurt me too much. Yeah. But the point system kind of uh, isn't the best for my style. The judges like it when you use as many of your tools as possible, right? Well, they don't want uh, the boxers to come in and win those things, right? So right. they want uh, they want to keep the sport like kickboxing, Muay Thai. So they'll score the knees and the clinching and the. Other stuff more, right? Yeah, because uh, that's like that's like any sport, right? They uh, the reason each martial art is the way that it is. For example, taekwondo is because the rule set on the scoring, right? Taekwondo would look different if the rule set was different, right? They wouldn't right. be using so many kicks if they were allowed hooks and uppercuts, right? They're only allowed right. straight punches. Yeah, it depends on the type as well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I so the rule set forces you to like do it a certain way. So where what what was your first training? Like what first what martial art did you do first? So the very first thing I did was taekwondo when I was six years old. Yeah, and uh, they I remember them asking my mom like ask your kid, what's the goals? Like, why does this kid want to do it? And I was, uh, as a kid, I was probably like many kids, very delusional. I thought (laughs) (laughs) I thought I was a superhero. I thought I was the Green Ranger from the Power Rangers. (laughs) So I told these guys, I'm like, I want to be the Green Ranger. Yeah. (laughs) And they're like, okay. That's awesome. (laughs) That was good. I would, I'd actually like, uh, because I grew up in Kazakhstan, so there's a big street fighting culture over there. I remember like, at one point, I put on a Spider-Man costume, yeah. and uh, I went outside, and you know, I was like playing in my mind, but I really kind of thought it was reality. Yeah. I was like, okay, I'm Spider-Man. Those guys over there, they're the bad guys. That's Green Goblin. <laughs> yeah, yeah. There's like <laughs> six older kids standing over there, you know, just hanging out. And yeah. I come up to one, and I just sock him right there, and <laughs> I get jumped by these dudes. <laughs> but yeah, I was like that when I was a kid. So, And then I quit for a while, because yeah. I was... I was one of those kids that, like, didn't listen. 
I was probably like one of the worst students out there. Yeah. And then this is just for anyone watching that like your kid is uh, a horrible martial artist, not listening. There's still hope, you know, <laughs> to <laughs> exactly. be somebody in the martial arts <laughs> world in a few years. Yeah. But then I quit that for a while. Uh, my parents moved to um, Scotland with me. Okay. And uh, I lived there for a few years. Yeah. And uh, over there, uh, so I didn't do really any martial arts there. Yeah. I came back to uh, Kazakhstan and I would get like made fun of because I became a bit different, right? I went to a different country. I came back. I was a bit softened up okay. from like a more westernized type of life. And uh, kids would make fun. Kids would like bully, beat me up, whatever. And then uh, I joined Taekwondo again. And this was intense training over there. Yeah. Over there, the Taekwondo isn't like the Taekwondo that you train over here. The teacher would like come up, he'd hit us with sticks. Oh, he'd, wow. When he's like, when he'd be in a good mood, he'd let us pick. He'd be like, "You want you want the rubber stick today or the wooden stick today?" <laughs> <Dang>. <laughs> but you gotta you gotta pick the uh, wooden stick because the rubber stick doesn't sound as bad, but the material makes it hurt more. Stings more. Yeah. <laughs> We'd be like uh, hitting sidekicks. And you'd have to hit it fast enough and come back yeah. before he'd like hit the belt. So oh, wow. like that that really <laughs> motivates you to go fast, right? Yeah. And then we do the splits at the end, and he like he'd push us down, right? Yeah. And uh, man, that hurt. Yeah. Like kids would be crying, kids would be yelling, all this stuff. Crazy. Yeah. Then. Uh, How old were you? Like twelve, thirteen years old. Younger. I was. Uh, I was ten, eleven okay. years old. Yeah. And then. Uh, at one point, I joined wrestling. I really, actually, I wanted to join boxing. Yeah. Because uh, there was two reasons. There was a big uh, gangster movie that came out in Kazakhstan at the time, and I wanted to be like that guy. <laughs> but uh, my mom didn't let me because uh, she was scared that I'd become stupid from getting punched in the head too much. <laughs> Taekwondo, no headshots, right? It's mostly body there was shots. Well, I guess we they, they kick to yeah. the head. They just don't punch to the there, head. Right? It's just a different um, kind of way that you view things, right? Yeah. So my mom like kind of seen it differently and let me go there. And then I did wrestling for a while. Yeah. Because my uh, my best friend at the time who kind of like took me under his wing, he was a few years older than me. He was a big wrestler, and we'd uh, we'd get in, we'd have these like street fight tournaments, you know, in the in the hood over there. Yeah. And we would uh, go like, yeah, like little mini tournaments where we'd just fight each other Very type cool. of thing. So he would uh, he told me to go to wrestling and I went to wrestling. And then at one point. I remember I faced a boxer, right? Like an actual trained boxer. I'd fa face like Taekwondo guys, whatever, karate guys. And I'd always, uh, I'd always actually like be able to use my wrestling to take them down and then beat them up and win the street fight. Yeah. And uh, then uh, I faced a boxer, like a decent boxer too. And he was a year younger than me. So I would, because of my, uh, my big bro, he was a few years older than me. I'd always say that I'm older as well. Yeah. And I'd be fighting older kids and winning. But this guy was not younger than my fake age he was a year younger than my real age oh wow so, so he's young young yeah yeah he's young young i remember we square up we're going at it and he just hits me with a jab with a quick jab and i'm like man where'd that come from <laughs> and uh, it, like it dazed me and then he hit me with a one two yeah and it was over right there wow. and i was like man i like went home i cried i felt so bad i was getting made fun of by kids in the hood yeah man it was like it traumatized me. <laughs> I was like, Mom, please let me go to boxing. I need to get this guy. And she wouldn't let me. That's what's different about martial arts classes, right? Like when you go there, it's not really about winning and losing. Like you'll take a beating in class or, you know, someone will tap you out or whatever. But no one makes fun. 
It's yeah. all you know. Maybe they do, but it's a, it's a in a way that's like your buddy fun. They're not really trying to hurt you. Mm-hmm. I remember when I was training training with David Lee. Like everybody there was trying to boost you up, trying to make you a better fighter. And I kind of found that when I was at um, Champions Creed too for that one class. Like they have a. I don't know. He was an older gentleman, maybe in his sixties. Uh, black belt, like um, brown belt, maybe. Was he? Uh, was he Asian looking? Yes. Oh, Gary. Gary. Gary he's a that's brown it. belt man. That, that guy's a G. dude's a savage. Like yeah. he's he's in his sixties, right? Yeah, yeah. And like I probably outweigh him by twenty, thirty pounds, maybe. Like I'm a fair amount bigger than him, and nothing. There was zero that you can do to that guy. And I'm not like I'm well versed, but like. People just don't understand. Like when you're a brown belt in jiu-jitsu, especially under someone like Brian Bird or um, what's his wife's name? Sheila. Sheila Bird. Um, they're savages. Like the people coming out of there, UFC's got a should be watching a little bit closer. I think there there's some some good people going to be coming out of there. Yeah, Gary. I want to give a shout out to that guy because that dude uh, from the start of my MMA career, he'd take time, he'd teach me some stuff, and he's just got. The coolest style, man. So technical. Yeah. So technical, that yeah. guy. Yeah, just so nice. So, like, man, that guy's like the Mr. Miyagi of Champions <laughs> Creed for me. <laughs> That's <man>. exactly it. <laughs> yeah. I rolled with him uh, here in Airdrie the first time when uh, Grant opened up Broken Belt. Uh, Grant Gunther, um, he ran a little club. So he was under Brian Bird. He got his brown belt from him and opened up a club here in Airdrie for a short period, maybe a year or two. It didn't really pan out for him, but he brought some of the brown belts and... Um, I want to say there was a black belt he brought out too. I don't remember exactly. And got to roll with them. And yeah, just it's amazing. When you get roll with guys that high level, it blows my mind every time. Grant Gunther, huh? I've, I have heard the name and I've heard of Broken Belt, but I never knew like what that whole thing was. So he was training under Brian and Sheila and he was looking at uh, starting up his own thing. So he had just earned his uh, brown belt, I believe. He was a purple when he started, and just after he opened Broken Belt, he got his uh, brown belt. And so he was teaching uh, Brian's uh, and Sheila's um, style out here in Airdrie. So uh, it, it was really cool. He had a great setup, but again, I, I just never have enough time. I would, I've been trying to find people to come to my house uh, and teach. Uh, I've talked to a few people. I'm like, if I could do it, once a week, I'll get four or five guys together, do private lessons, and uh, then we'll just train ourselves for the rest of the week. And then we bring someone in, give us something to work on for the next week, and and keep going that way. And I haven't found someone. Well, Airdrie sucks because we have you know no one's close to Airdrie. I mean, you you probably live in Calgary, mm-hmm. and so it's always a drive to get people to come out here. What about Bell Guards? They got a jiu-jitsu guy over there. They do. He's pretty dedicated to them. Uh, his I can picture his face. I can't think of his name right now. He's really good. I, I trained at Bella Guards for a little bit. Um, or they want a crazy amount of money, like $60 a person um, for one hour. And mm-hmm. so if you get five or six people together, that's a lot of money to be paying out. Maybe I'm just cheap. I don't want to. Nah, these guys are tripping. <laughs> <Right? It> <laughs> 60 <laughs> bucks per person. I get that for a one-on-one session, you know, 60 bucks. That's what I charge. But if there's five people there, man, 
100 bucks for the hour should be more than enough. Yeah, that that's what I thought would be super cool. Everyone pitch in 20 bucks and then you take those techniques, you train them for a week and then you bring the trainer back next week, get a new technique, drill 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 it and then you can, you know, move up the ladder. Cuz you get old guys like me, we can't train 5 days, 6 days mm-hmm. a week at all. I I got a regular job and kids and <laughs> podcasts and everything yeah. else. So I only want like 2 or 3 days and trying to find a class that actually lines up with my timing. It just hasn't happened yet. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So what uh, you said five weeks till the tournament. So what is your preparation for the tournament then? What are you doing uh, um, between now and when you leave? So train six days a week, two three times a day. Um, rest Sunday, which is holding pads for eight hours, <laughs> <laughs> and uh, take a few rest days. Well, I'm gonna go to that uh, Grand Prairie with Bill Mahood. I don't know if you know Bill Mahood. I know of him. I haven't met yeah. him yet. Yeah, so I'm gonna train at uh, his gym, which is also gonna be really cool for the reason that uh, Alex Martinez came up under him. Okay. And uh, Alex Martinez, he's uh, now 6-0 and as a pro. He just won uh, a fight in Brave FC in uh, Abu Dhabi. I've been following Brave FC. They're, yeah. They seem really cool. Yeah, so he was uh, he's one of the original guys who was on Team Canada. Uh, by the way, this year, I'm, I'm the only one on Team Canada. <laughs> so I'm You're the, the only I'm, Canadian? I'm the only person going flying out there. Oh, wow. And uh, so him... And uh, Saeed would be, like, uh, high-level guys back then. Mm -hmm. And uh, Alex Martinez won a silver medal in the Worlds twice. Yeah. Twice in a row. And then he went pro. And uh, the deal is Brave FC is very closely related with the people that run the uh, Worlds for MMA. So a lot of Brave FC guys are scouted uh, and picked up right away by the medalists of the World Championship. Yeah. So at the tournament, then, you have four fights or five fights? Five fights, so you fight four days in a row, yeah. then uh, you take a break day before the finals, and then you fight again. Wow, that's insane. That's more insane than the first UFC. Like, having three fights in a night, is that's pretty insane. Mm-hmm. But having five fights in, what, three days? Five days. In five days. Six days, I guess. Yeah, that's crazy. Yeah. So, uh, I guess these guys aren't cutting a lot of weight then. No, you're not cutting any weight. Like, maybe a few pounds, just get the water, and then yeah. get back up. Yeah. So, you walk it around about 170 then? Yeah, I'm... Uh, a few days ago, I woke up at 170. Yeah. Uh, I kind of picked out the past four days after that. <laughs> I celebrate. <laughs> My diet's not good, man. I eat a lot of bad stuff. Yeah. Because I'm 22, right? So, it doesn't affect me that much. It really. burns off pretty fast. Yeah. I'm like... Some people, you know, they get affected by the bad food they eat. They can't train hard. Yeah. But for me, it's like... Mostly just uh, be mentally strong. Yeah. And for me, it's like uh, if I can eat bad food, it puts me in a more relaxed state of mind. Then I don't think of it as anything more than a fist fight. Yeah. Nothing less than a fist fight, but nothing more than a fist fight at the same time. Because right. that way, like right before my last fight, when I won that championship belt or whatever, yeah. I was uh, I was at Earl's like a few hours before I ate sushi yam fries before the fight tacos yeah chocolate chip cookies like all this stuff and i was like relaxed Uh, thinking you know i'm gonna go in there and i'm just gonna do my thing yeah like uh put some hands on this guy whereas if i was like dieting being strict i'd be like okay man like it it has more pressure you know okay yeah Yeah, yeah. that's just me personally you'll you'll well i don't know you may be a different person but I'll, i'll tell you 
being an older guy, is really conscious about my diet or starts packing on fast. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I'm not as active as you either. Yeah. You know, to, uh, to hold pads for eight hours a day, you got to be burning, what, five, 6,000 calories, 7,000 calories um, maybe? 4,000. Four to forty five hundred. Yeah. Yeah. That's a crazy amount. That's a lot of food to eat. Yeah, that is. <laughs> I enjoy it. <laughs> I enjoy the food. <laughs> I'll yeah. eat pizza in between training sessions. It's good stuff. Unbelievable. When uh when I was younger and I trained, um I had to not eat. If I ate before I trained, I'd almost guarantee vomit. Mm. Yeah, see that's the thing. I do uh intermittent fasting. I call it that, but really I just skip breakfast. <laughs> so, it's like um uh, I won't eat till about two. Yeah. So like say Monday tomorrow morning, I'll ideally go for a run yeah. and then coach for a few hours. Then I'll train again. Yeah. So like two training sessions and then I eat. Yeah. Right. So that's kind of what my stuff looks like. When you're training, are you focusing uh, mostly on boxing, kickboxing, wrestling? Are you trying to split it up evenly throughout the week? Like where, where is most of your work at? It's all over the place. So Monday is like uh jujitsu heavy. Uh, and I got the strength stuff. Then Tuesday and Thursday is Muay Thai. Yeah. And, uh, you know, I'm a, I'm more known of being a striker. Okay. And I like striking in my fights. But I hate training Muay Thai, man. <laughs> because my coach, Chad Sawyer, he's a sick, uh, really good coach. Yeah. But, man, his conditioning, I hate it, man. And I'm known as, like, a cardio guy, both okay. in the gym and, like, in my fights. Usually I'm the guy pushing the pace. Yeah. But, man, I hate cardio. I can't <laughs> believe that there's people out there that like to do uh, fitness kickboxing, man. <laughs> the the nine-round people. and the, yeah, yeah, man. I don't get how you want to go and do those sprints, like, 30 yeah. seconds, like, one, two, one, two, fast. No, I hate that, man. I don't. Like, this legit. Monday, midday. Yeah. If I think about it, I'll put myself in a bad mood. Yeah. That in about 24, 30 hours, I have to go and uh, train Muay Thai conditioning, <laughs> man. Like, it will put me, and I'll wake up the next morning, I'll be in a bad mood. People will talk to me. I'll have, like, <laughs> like not a good Grumpy mood. face. <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. I'll be grumpy, man. It's funny how many fighters you hear talk about, like, I hate the training. I just love the fight. And there's other guys that just love the training and the fight, like George St. Pierre. Like, he would get very nervous before a fight. That wasn't his favorite part. His favorite part was the training part. Yeah. I love uh, training outside of camp. Like, uh, I don't like the cardio, yeah. but I like drilling. I like learning new things. Awesome. I don't really like the fight itself, man. I can't say that. I just like the feeling of achievement. Right. And uh, I got to say, my favorite is a gym war. Like when you can I fight someone ask. inside of a gym, <laughs> that's the best because there's no pressure in that, and it's just it's just raw fighting. You can let loose um, and and just be happy in it. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I exactly. remember when we were at um, uh, Tashitos in Kelowna, we did a lot of that. David would bring people in, he'd bring wrestlers in, and Taekwondo guys, and this would have been back in like two. 1000 or 1999 somewhere around there that we were doing it and so mma wasn't that big back then right and so there wasn't a lot of guys so we would have to uh try to find guys to spar and and uh because otherwise we're just kicking the crap out of each other and it, as much fun as that is you sort of know where everybody is right like if you were to um you know spar with uh hakeem you would pretty much know how the fight's gonna go because you yeah. know each other well enough yeah right? as soon as it starts I know what's gonna happen. <laughs> <right>? <laughs> what's Hakeem's go-to when he's uh, sparring with you? 
start off with a jab. That's the one guy that uh, I can't push forward on. Yeah. Because I have a pressure stat, and it's, it's similar to his. But that guy will outpressure me any day because he's been doing it for longer, more high level. Yeah. And, um, yeah, he just pressures. He's got solid wrestling as well now lately. Yeah. Very strong. So I have to, like, switch up my whole style. Everyone else, I use my own style. With that guy, I got to do yeah. other stuff, man. That's the great thing about being in clubs where you have some higher level guys, right? Is they challenge you in a way that you can't be challenged. You know, if you were all the same, like I think about Alpha Team in California uh, or Team Alpha Male. That's it, Team yeah, Alpha yeah. Male. That uh, they've been training the same 20 guys for 15 years. Mm -hmm. They're excellent. I mean, you can't knock them. They win a lot of tournaments. They, you know, a lot of them are in the UFC and stuff. But I think they limit themselves in growth without having new people coming in or people that are higher level than them come in, right? Yeah, and it's also good for your, like, morale. Like, uh, having some, like, getting new looks, having other people. It adds to the excitement. Right. Training camp is so monotone, man. You do the same thing for six weeks in a row. Yeah. That's why I'm happy, as weird as it sounds, to be going to Grand Prairie <laughs> to <laughs> train over there, you know. So, be before uh, we go too much further, I want to do a shout-out to She-Wolf Studios. So, we just had her on the podcast. When you're in Grand Prairie, you have to go check out her art studio. I don't know if you're a art big art studio. fan. She is phenomenal. Um, one of my favorite artists of all time. So you're in Grand Prairie, go check out She Wolf Studios. And then I want to remind everybody that's uh, watching us live here, go to Facebook and donate. Um, uh, Help Team Canada's Ramil Kamalov MMA World Championships. Look it up. You can find a place to donate on there. Uh, go do it right now, right? Yeah. Yeah, whatever you got, put it in there. And I'll be at that art studio for sure because I haven't like been big into art, but lately I've been kind of messing with it a little bit. I'll be at the mall and they got like an art shop and I'll go in and man, that stuff looks cool. I'll be there for sure. I, uh, I've recently had, um, probably in the last couple of years, uh, a real appreciation for artists. I didn't really understand them before. Um, I, you know, I understood martial artists. like mm -hmm. That's a different kind of art. Yeah. Uh, but painters and sculptors and songwriters and poetry, I'm starting to love it all now. So, yeah, she, uh, she came down to the podcast. We went watched a comedy show. Uh, I'm pretty sure when we get our proper studio built, I'm buying art from her, and that's what we're filling up the studio with. So, mm -hmm. yeah. Cool. Cool. So, uh, um, how often are you uh, sparring? Sparring, uh, so jiu-jitsu sparring Monday, Wednesday. Sometimes we'll get a few rounds on Tuesday, Thursday for Muay Thai. And then, like, an hour, um, 45 minutes of Muay Thai sparring on Fridays. Yeah. And then either Saturday or Sunday, MMA sparring. Wow, that's a lot. Yeah, like, there's a lot of guys that aren't sparring. They're only drilling. You know, if I could, I'd spar every day of the week. Yeah. Do nothing else, <laughs> but that's not allowed. Yeah. Yeah, you got to save your body a little bit, right? Yeah. Oh, and plus, because I run my own academy, I got a few teens, and then, like, sometimes I'll put the gloves on and do just, like, some straight defense. I'll be like, try to hit me. Yeah. Um. Like, you know, move around with them a bit. I'll have to come check out your club. Yeah, I'll uh, come hang and do a little bit of training down there, and uh, I'll try to get a few guys to come in down with us. I, uh, um, I'm i not into big sparring anymore, mm -hmm. <laughs> but a little bit is fun, right? When you get your buddies, you go at 50%, just keep touching each other. Um, I'm sure that's not the sparring you're thinking about, though. No, I, I love sparring like that. Okay. That's some of... Uh, I really like that sparring as well. Yeah. I like the hard sparring, but I really like that type of sparring, too. Yeah. Some guys don't like it. But uh, I'm really big on that. 
when uh, I had that uh, concussion, yeah, that's uh, I did a whole lot of that, and that made me a lot better. Like I remember walking back into the gym, and Coach Brian was like, "Man, like, how did you get this much better?" It's exactly by doing that. Okay. Yeah, it helps your reflexes, your reactions. You get to work a lot of stuff that you usually don't do. Yeah. Yeah, I love that kind of sparring. Fifty cool, cool. percent, just yeah. touch, just a game of tag. Right. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. Just trying to lay hands on each other, or not trying to kill each other. Mm-hmm. Just touching all the different points. See if you can get your. Um, um, I think about like target practice, right? Just mm-hmm. pick a spot on their head that you want to touch and see if you can do that. And then a more yeah. on their body. And, you know, I uh, I really enjoy that type of sparring. Be as diverse as you can with your strikes type of deal. Exactly. Yeah. Try to mix up your combinations. Get three, four, five, six punches or mm-hmm. uh, three, six strikes combinations in there. Yeah, it's a ton of fun. Um, so are you belted under Brian? Yeah, I'm a blue belt. Awesome. Blue belt, one stripe. But I think he stopped doing stripes. Okay. Yeah. I want to get my purple soon, but I don't know what. <laughs> I don't uh, train my jiu-jitsu, just pure jiu-jitsu enough at the moment yeah. to uh, get too far under that. And, uh, yeah, it's uh, a lot of the grappling I do is MMA grappling. So okay. I hope I really want to get my purple under yeah. him. What What's your end goal? Are you, like, aiming for UFC? Like, where, like you want to make a living out of being a martial artist, obviously, but you could do that in training and running your own school and, and that kind of stuff. Yeah, I want to I wanna prove to myself, uh, first and foremost, uh, about the heights that I can achieve in the sport and just be the best in that sense. Uh, I don't care so much about the money over there. I would really like to be my income to be independent from the fighting. And for the fighting to actually go into my gym, yeah. mostly. With martial arts as a whole, I want to um, touch as many lives as I can, positively. Yeah. <laughs> Important. <laughs> but uh, yeah, I'd love to create a super gym and yeah. uh, pump money into that and get money out of that. So like, there's a lot of fighters that uh, get done wrong by the UFC management, like Dana White, all those guys. Yeah. I want... Uh, like they end up taking the wrong fights because they don't have enough money or whatever. Right. They get put into bad situations by that guy. They get done wrong, and then it's a bad experience overall. But I would like uh, it to be that if it's on not on my terms, then I don't fight. Right. right? Like uh, even that uh, whole Habib McGregor thing was a big like eye opener. Like the way they treated Habib. Before the fight, right during the fight, like I'm not surprised that he did that whole ball, man. I'm not surprised he didn't do worse than that. I, I well, I just watched an interview with him. He goes, "I will never fight Conor again in the ring, but if I see him in the street, I'll kick the shit." Out of him. <laughs> and I was like, "Dude, they ticked him off." And by yeah. all rights, like I don't think that uh, um, he was treated very well. That you know, they figured McGregor was the guy. He's going to do it all. We'll just put our marketing, our advertising, and our and our uh, we'll bet on McGregor, and that was a bad idea. Look where Khabib is now; yeah. he is destroying guys. Um, what he did against Poitier, yeah, that was insane. Yeah, just another level. Yeah, I don't know who's left Ferguson. I think Ferguson would have had a really good chance against him back in 2017 when they yeah. fought, when they were supposed to fight. But uh, now, I think he's just been tagged too much, too many miles, getting yeah. too old. Habib's probably going to take that. Tore up knees. I mean, yeah. I know Ferguson's got an, uh, an amazing cardio. Uh, he's got great jiu-jitsu. He'd be the one guy that I think, um, on the ground, he wouldn't be as easily held down. So, like, because he's a very aggressive jiu-jitsu guy, right? Like, he's always throwing his legs up. He's always going after something. Um, that that might be more difficult. But you never know. Like, 
no one's tried that on Khabib yet, so everyone's thinking that maybe Ferguson can um, do a little bit more on the ground. Like he's not afraid to go to the ground. I don't know. I don't know. You have to see what happens. I hope that fight happens. It's coming in November, right? I don't know. I don't think they got an official date right now. Oh, I thought I. Yeah, maybe not. Maybe because I don't. I don't follow it as much because I got my own training. (laughs) (laughs) Do you watch much uh, MMA other than what you need to? Uh, Lately, I've been less and less into it just okay. because i got so much stuff to do i got to take care of my own training at the moment and i got to invest more in myself than i invest into that stuff yeah absolutely yeah. i i learn what i can from it i get what i can i used to like almost never miss a, an event but as i get older more stuff to do yeah i'm not as much into it do you have a family yet do you have girlfriend wife kids no but uh I want to soon though. <laughs> as soon as the stuff stabilizes, as soon as I find me a good girl, yeah, I want to have. I want to get going on the kids. Awesome, yeah. yeah, they're they're pretty awesome. They eventually will uh, produce your podcast, <laughs> and they they'll give you a reason to fight. I'll tell you that they'll get you pumped up. Um, yeah, I'm super excited to see what happens in the future, and I'd love to have you back after we're done uh, or you're done the uh, the worlds and and hear how it went, or maybe even when you get back from Grand Prairie before you take off, uh, let us know how it goes. I think we're almost an hour in, aren't we? Oh, really? That's it? 45 minutes? Oh, well, we're not giving up yet then. Um, mm-hmm. Everyone, don't forget to donate. Go to uh, Help Team Canada's uh, Ramil Kamalov. Oh, such a hard name for a Canadian <laughs> guy to say. Um, to get to the MMA world. So everyone go on and donate right now. It's time. There's Camille's people. Um, I'm not on that one. I'm just on mine. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so... Um, uh, what was I going to ask you? We did training, your diets, RK Fight Lab. You're, oh, that's what I was going to ask you. You're planning on staying in Calgary then? You enjoy it here? I enjoy it here. Uh, I like to work here. I like to grind here. Yeah. But, man, I hate the social life here. <laughs> <laughs> the social life is zero out here. Yeah. That's, what, that's the one thing I don't like, that there's not a whole lot to do. Like Obviously, there's uh, all the nature and stuff. Yeah. To go out to. But that's a journey. I don't like the journey, you know? Yeah. Like where I'm from, it's uh you just get out of your house and your boys are just sitting out there on the benches, you're gonna like, you know, sit yeah. over there, like start you can go out and do stuff, right? Yeah. Over here, like you can't uh it's a lot harder out here. It's a very spread out city as well. It is. Like you gotta drive twenty minutes just to see a good friend. Everything is 20 minutes away. I did uh, sales in Calgary, so I drive to different sales appointments. It's 20 minutes everywhere you go, if mm-hmm. it's not traffic. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, we, we do. You know what? I moved here from Kelowna when I was t- training with David, and uh, um, I came out here to work. Um, mm-hmm. It was better money. Knew I wasn't going to make it as a pro in MMA, and so I just, like, let's go find a good job. Let's buy a house, get a wife all that stuff, and, and that's what I did. Um, got my kids and all that, and, and I enjoy life in Alberta. Um, but it's not overly social. People, like, want to schedule everything. Like, you can't just show up at somebody's house up here, right? Yeah, yeah. And, uh, like, even the conversations, you just, like, uh, talk to someone, and it's like, hello, how are you, goodbye type of deal, right? It's very standardized. Oh, yeah. the weather sucks. The traffic was bad. Yeah, yeah. and I hate that, man. <laughs> I, can't, I can't deal with it. I just, I'd rather not talk to you if that's what it's going to be. <laughs> right, <laughs> you right. Know? Yeah. yeah. 
Yeah, it's hard to find clubs and organizations that uh, out here. I never even thought about that, but it's not the same. Like, I remember being in Kelowna, and you just, you know, you ride your bike or go over to your buddy's place and have a beer or go for a run or, you know, head down. Like, we were always doing something together. Yeah, like, out here, it's, uh, you you got, especially in the winter, you got two options on a weekend. You sit at home or you go get drunk on 17th Right. <laughs> Yeah, not my scene, man. Not my scene either. Uh, you got COP, you got, I mean, but you're training already. You want to go do another five hours of skiing? Yeah, man, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> I want well, to relax. You, I know you didn't live in Russia for very long in Kazakhstan, but they've got to have winter similar to ours or maybe even a little bit worse. Well, I grew up in the desert, so it's on the sea, but I grew up in a beach city, right? So that's the other uh, okay. thing I miss. Yeah, yeah. But uh, it's like a the desert over there. It's uh, in the winter. It's maybe like zero degrees. Yeah. But and like snow two three times a year. But okay. it's got a harsh nasty wind that okay. like the ten degrees over there is not like the ten degrees over here with a warm wind. Yeah. It's, the ten degrees over there is like a nasty cold wind and you feel cold and like a light jacket type of deal. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Would you ever go back there? Have you been back as an adult? Yeah, I was just there uh, this summer. I had the best vacation of my life. (laughs) It was was awesome. What's the summer like there? Summer uh, gets up to 50 degrees. So What is that? How do we translate? 50 degrees Celsius. Oh, Celsius? Holy damn. That's like Okanagan hot. Yeah. That's like Mexico hot. Yeah. It's good out there. That is good. Well, kind of good. So like during the daytime, no one's really out over there. (laughs) Everyone's chilling at home. But then nighttime... The the past few years have changed a bit, but a few years back it would be like, you know, midnight, everything's just getting started in that city, you know? Like you go to, I lived in the center of the city. It's a small city, the size of Kelowna. What's Kelowna? Like 150,000 people? Something like that, yeah. Yeah, Yeah, so the size of Kelowna. And uh, the center of the city, it's not really a downtown, Yeah. but uh, you go over there and people with their strollers, people with their little kids, like just coming out at... Well, I guess so hot during the day, you're just sitting around, you know, trying not to die. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, exactly. (laughs) Yeah. Kelowna, I didn't find it that, like, I enjoy the heat. So uh, I worked for a landscaping company in there and I trained. So, um, and then I got a sales job. But uh, yeah, I didn't mind the heat at all. I don't like the cold. I don't know how I ended up here and why I've been here for so long, but I do not like the cold at all. (laughs) Yeah, man. Like, coming back from there, especially this time, was super hard. It's like the fall starts. Yeah. Oh man, the fall is like my least favorite because like it starts getting cold and I know that winter winter isn't even here, man. It's just coming. It's just I about to come know. and then it's I know. Every year. So my wife and I, um, every time our mortgage comes due, we, we do a couple of things. We go look at for a new house. Like, hey, should we upgrade? Should we downgrade? Should we do? We always go look for something new. And then we talk about moving someplace nicer. And so when you start researching weather and like economy and schools and medical and stuff like that, Calgary is literally the best place to go. This is yeah. the sunniest place in Canada. You know, we have the cold days. But it's still sunny. Where you go to Vancouver uh, um, or Surrey or the Okanagan, and they'll be clouded in for the whole winter. Hmm. So, like that's when I grew. I grew up mostly in BC, and it, you have to get used to it. They call it um, sad. Um, um, shoot, what's the acronym? Something. Look it up, Eric. I can't remember. It's about being sad in the winter time, where because yeah. there's no sunshine. 
Um, seasonal affective disorder. Ha! I beat you. <laughs> seasonal affective disorder because a lot of people have it in these uh, port cities and in uh, NBC because it's cloudy so often you don't see the sunshine. Yeah. But here we got it all the time. Disorder is that like a seasonal depression kind of thing? Exactly. Yeah. yeah. Okay. So the because of no sunshine, but you take vitamin D and you know mm-hmm. you go tanning or something like that in a tanning bed, you'll be fine. Hmm. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah. So, what do you want people to know? Why should they donate? <laughs> I don't know. I'm not prepared for this question. <laughs> just to help me out just a little bit. You yeah. Know? You know what, guys? I, I know this. When I when I first started training MMA, I thought I wanted to be a pro fighter. And it is hard to hold down a full-time job, to try to have a relationship, to find a girl or, oh, or yeah. uh, whatever. I uh, When I was training, I was dating a nurse, and she thought it was the most ridiculous ridiculous thing that anyone had ever done like she had never seen <laughs> mma and she'd come and watch and these gorillas are pounding the daylights out of me i was new to mma back then and uh she's like you shouldn't be doing this to yourself so you know there there's a lot that mma fighters have to do not a lot of people are going to date an mma guy because it is so brutal um trying to hold down a full-time job and create a career it's hard to do so let's help out ramil and uh, get him some donations Get him on his goals. You never, ever regret donating to people, ever. You'll be repaid tenfold. I guarantee you'll be repaid tenfold. Yeah? Yeah, thank you. <laughs> no worries. Um, yeah, so let's uh, let's wrap this up. we got to be close to an hour. Uh, we'll get this out uh, uh, on uh, Anchor right away, and we'll get people donating through there. And then when you get back uh, from Grand Prairie, you come back, we'll do another one right before you head off, and then when you get back from the world, we'll talk again. Awesome, Is awesome. that a fair deal? Yeah. Awesome, awesome, awesome. So everybody, go to Facebook, donate right now. Uh, uh, share this podcast as much as you possibly can. Uh, Eric, you want to go to outro? And uh, we'll see you all later. Thank you. Thank you for donating. Hey, everyone. Thank you for listening. Thank you for sharing. This podcast is over. <laughs>